0: What's up, everybody? This week, we begin our three part series on video games in the 90s and look at some more great speeches in presidential history. That and a whole lot more is to come because maybe you should go home and be a family man. Welcome to the show. Who doesn't love a little bit of Street Fighter in at the, uh, you know, they their bad jokes or anything like that? Remember, if you ever want to, uh, I think it was either Ryu or Guile. That's what uh, the screen would say. You should go home and be a family man. Something I took to heart. Anyway, welcome, guys. Good to be back. Um, I apologize for this being a week or so late. Um, last week, and actually up until about Thursday. Thursday evening, I had problems with my throat, I couldn't talk properly, and yesterday while I was recording with Greg, because I'm recording this over different days, um, my chest started feeling really, really bad, and I've got some commitments that I've thought I might have to pull out of this weekend, but uh, thankfully... I'm feeling a heck of a lot better, and, you know, the show must go on. So uh, I'm here recording something this week so that, you know, I can push it out there. And guys, I've got a lot of things that I want to get off my chest that have happened between now and the time last time I spoke with you. And so I've got two of these little speeches before we begin. And uh, one's going to be now, one's going to be at the end of the show um, just, you know, just my thoughts, my rambles, uh, stuff that I usually do at the beginning of the episode. So, uh, one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to be teaming up with the Trivia Girl, and I've decided that I'm going to play one of three games, uh, do a Let's Play of it. Uh, they're going to be basically Super Mario World, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, or Donkey Kong Country. I haven't decided what we're going to do yet, but, uh, we're going to go ahead and record that and get that up on our YouTube channel, and just have some fun, you know, just just go ahead and do it. I, I, I've always liked the idea of doing a Let's Play and doing some commentary over it, but, you know, I don't usually play retro games, I usually play modern games, you know, um, kind of like Fallout and, uh, you know, uh, Mass Effect and stuff like that. But, this last week, oh man, this last week I had a moment where i turned into a five-year-old child again it, it, you know i i started squealing as like a kid at christmas time bethesda have finally announced it the elder scroll 6 is coming eventually now it's going to be a couple of years because they've got a new uh franchise that they're going to probably release next year so it'll probably be the year after next probably about the time where the new consoles will come out uh but yeah man i'm hyped for elder, elder scroll 6 i really really am um so what do I want as a fan? It's it's very, very simple. I know it sounds like... Well, okay, let me let me rephrase it. It's not simple. It's going to be difficult to do. But uh, what I want as a fan is this. I want it to be a hybrid of the three games that have been released in the Elder Scrolls series in the last 12 years. I want it to have the in-depth and richness that was Oblivion. I want the gameplay and the control aspects of what was Skyrim. And I want the in-depth of crafting like The Elder Scrolls Online. I want the idea of being able to create Nordic battle axes as opposed to just plain old battle axes, you know? Uh, you have to have a, a, an, a racial tool to, to make a racial item. You know, I, I love that. I lo- I want the races to have their own unique stats and weaknesses as opposed to just all having great stats. I want them to include survivalism. I want them to have realism in terms of diseases and, and special needs, kind of like, you know, what they have in mods right now. You know, survivalism, food... Um, The the stats all affecting each other, not just, you know, just something in-depth, not just great graphically, and of course mainly a good storyline. Because I love Skyrim, but the main storyline is, eh, it's a a good playthrough, don't get me wrong, but it could have been so much better. Um, There's a couple other things that I'd like for it to do too, like for example, um, in in the Elder Scrolls Skyrim, for example, you could join a group called the Companions and they were at war with a group called the Silver Hand, but you could never join the Silver Hand, you know? So it's like, I want it to be a role-playing experience as to where if I decided to not help this faction, I could help this faction, you know? Um, But yeah, man, I'm I'm, I'm excited, um... I'm looking forward to it, I, I just, I can't say enough things, I've got my uh, my eye out on a couple of new games over the next couple of years, there's the uh, Oddworld Soulstorm, there's Elder Scrolls Six. there's the new uh, franchise that uh, Bethesda are bringing out, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped, um, you know, my 34-year-old self has turned into a, you know, a 12-year-old child again, and talking of 12-year-old children, um, I'm recording this on Friday. If you guys are listening to this on Sunday, our trivia girl is turning 13 years old. And for me, that makes me feel ancient. I mean, you know, I always wanted to grow up, grow up, grow up. And it's a weird, weird time when 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 a child of yours becomes almost an adult, you know. Um, I'm feeling very, very melancholy that, that she's growing up because... I still see her as my little baby, but at the same time, she's grown up to be a very, very, very strong, independent woman who, you know, who is intelligent, which is fantastic. She's, she's amazing, and God, I love her. She's, you know, she's, yeah, um, praise Sarah for doing a dang good job, being a fantastic mother to this kid, as well as, you know, the, the, the other kids that we have, too, um, but, yeah, happy birthday, kid. I love you. Stop growing up because it makes me feel old. <laughs> also talking about things that make me feel old, um, I just realized that uh, the first World Cup that I saw was Italian 90, and that was nearly 30 years ago, which... Oh, man, you know, we got to stop living in nostalgic purse, but dang, it doesn't make me feel old. Uh, so, <laughs> with all of my rambling aside, guys, if you're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, look up Because Maybe BecauseMaybePod. Uh, we have a good blog at this week, because becausemaybepodcast.wordpress.com. Go ahead and have a look at that. That's uh, kind of Sarah's end of things. I do the talking, she does the writing, because she's a better writer than I am. Uh, also, look up our YouTube channel. We have sample episodes, and like I said, if we're going to be doing a Let's Play in the next couple of weeks, that's where that's going to go. We're going to have some extra episodes, some sample clips, and so on and so forth so now that i have spent uh close to five ten minutes rambling away i'm uh, gonna hand this over to myself and greg gregory uh we talk about video games uh in the 90s we look at how they came about what they were doing what the industry was doing as a whole this week is going to be a lot of uh you know a lot of history and hopefully next week we're going to be doing a lot of anecdotal but in the meantime if you guys want to but in the meantime here we are Cultural impact. Alright gang, this week we are going to go into the first part of our video game review. Um, this week and week three, because it's a three part week, uh, three part episode I should say, uh, we're going to be going into more the industry and how the, the genres change and how the, how gaming changed itself. Uh, next week we're actually going to go more in depth into some of the best games of the 90s. And I say we because I am joined once again by the wonderful, wonderful... Better video game player than I am, Mr. Greg Gregory. Greg, how are you, man? Hey, what's up? Uh, If there was an award for who played the most scar in between us, I think we'd be neck and neck. Uh,
1: Yeah, I've I've logged an embarrassing amount of hours in that
0: game. I've made an embarrassing amount of characters. Like, I'll get halfway through Bleak Falls and go, wait, I need to start casting spells, but this is an archer. Oh, well, let's start again.
1: Yeah, I've only got three builds, but between all of them, I mean, there's probably thousands and thousands of hours yeah I mean,
0: it's it's yeah and which is weird between the pair of us because we have large families and extra outside interests i mean i have the podcast greg's in, in the band a couple of bands actually um I, I myself do some live live work i've got six kids i mean but yet we still manage to put an embarrassingly amount of time on a game hey but, I mean, if,
1: you, if you love something you make time for it that's right yeah.
0: I'm married, I think, as well at some point, so I better make Tom for Sarah. Uh, <laughs> before we get going into the 1990s, I know one of the things I've been doing lately in a lot of the episodes is blending uh, now Tom with the past-time or whatever, but i got to ask you, Elder Scrolls Six, you excited?
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's a long, long, long time coming. Um, uh, I'm excited, but I'm also a little wary because, I mean, I know a lot of people like uh, Elder Scrolls Online. Me, personally, I was yep. hoping to be a little bit more like Skyrim, but... Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful. but Beth- Bethesda's put out some really good titles, so I don't expect anything less from them.
0: The only thing I know is that uh, don't ask them if it's a glitch or a feature, because their is gonna be yes! yes. <laughs> it's, <laughs> so, a gl- it's a glitch feature. It's a glitch feature. Gl- glitz or glitz? Anyway, glitch. Oh, goodness me. I'm, I'm tongue-tied. But that's like modern game. That's probably not gonna happen for another three years, at least, you know, one of the most anticipated games of all time. <sighs> yeah. So let's dive back 30 years in the past. Not so much three years in the future. Um, I know this is, like I said, this is a 90s podcast. The majority of things we're going to be talking about is how it was in the 90s.
1: But we had to get there somehow, right? We had to
0: get there somehow. I mean, video games didn't actually become mainstream until the evil decade, until the 80s.
1: to the late... It, I mean, they, you, you had video games in homes in the, in the mid to late 70s, but yeah. really only the elite and rich had them. They, it, it didn't become a, a, a consumer... Widely accepted consumer product until mid-late 80s. And that's when some of these woes that we're about to discuss here started
0: happening. We've got a vision attached to the black and white TV. Nice. Uh, <laughs> but, um yeah, what, what happened in the, in the 70s, right, is the, these video games started coming out. You know, you had the classic stuff, uh, Pong, Pac-Man. Frogger. Frogger. You know, they Liz, all came yeah. out. And then in the mid-80s, like, all these companies were producing... Games by the hundreds every year, but they were the same game, or they were low quality. Even for, even for then look, I know the games of the eighties didn't have like much depth or anything to them.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they had to work within the 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 constraints of the current technology. Yeah, and I think that they did their best, but you 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 did start to see regurgitations of the same thing over and over again.
0: And then things like E.T. came out, and E.T. one of the worst games ever made.
1: You know, there's actually something to be said about that too. I've Played a significant amount of movie-inspired video games, and really a lot of them are crap.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: uh, Back to the Future, yes. uh, Terminator, um, Shaq th- Fu. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> Sha- Shaq Fu is one of those. It's it's so bad. It's kind of legendarily good because Army of, of Darkness it. Bird. Yeah,
0: but Our, I'm. Ours, my wife would say, geely bad." Uh, <laughs> not just not just in home gaming, too, arcade gaming also. A bit Bore the brunt of this. And, yeah. like, in doing the research, it was a really, really stupid reason on paper when you think about it, but it kind of made sense. See, in Japan, all the... And in Europe, too, all of the, the game uh, machines at arcades would take uh, 100 denomination coins. So, in Britain, it was the pound. In Japan, it was 100 yen. Um, and in America, it would be the dollar. While in the United States... The $1 coin wasn't minted as much as, say, the pound coin or the 100 yen coin. And in Japan and in Europe and in Britain, they would, you know, every game would be a pound or 100 unit cost. Whereas in the United States, it was only 25 because you yeah. could throw a quarter in there, And they couldn't build the machines to have four quarters. So they were, getting ha- they were getting a quarter of the profits. Right. And... For the same game that we were getting in Europe or Japan. And that kind of hurt because it was basically burning money in the arcades. The arcades were still going well. Sure. I mean, you know, all the kids were still going out there, but the game stayed the same for years and years and years and years. It was nothing really new. Not only that, I mean, in America, too, it suffered a lot because Atari. Atari was one of the biggest video game companies in American history, possibly the biggest. And they buried at least 500,000 unsold cartridges in the Arizona desert somewhere, wow! And people thought it was legend, but no, Atari actually confirmed that they dumped that amount of. I like there were games like Tetris out there, and the the Atari Tetris, brilliant game, brilliant game. Well, it's
1: Tetris by its by its own merit on any platform is you know pretty innovative. Yeah, thinking thinking man's game, if you will. Definitely,
0: you know. um, not the ang- not the angry video game nerd. That was me. Not the angry video game nerd, but that was an angry game review guy. I can't remember his name.
1: Okay, one of the cousins of that, basically. Yeah,
0: he did a review on uh, Atari Tetris versus um, Nintendo Tetris. And the Atari version was, like, vastly superior. It had two-player mode. It had um, levels, you know, whereas the Nintendo version is the one we all know and love. It was just keep going until you die. Yeah. So but you know Atari kind of messed up uh, they
1: they, plat- they plateaued cuz like we were saying before you know they had limited technology yeah. you know you know that was i mean at that point were we even in a full bit I mean, because 8bit no. wasn't even introduced until no. 83, yeah. 84, somewhere around there.
0: And and not just that. I mean, Atari had to work with what they had, but they didn't seem to be in- innovating in anything.
1: Yeah, th- well, I, and I think that part of that is a response to the reaction to the, uh, video games becoming uh, more commercially available and yeah. viable. They wanted to cash in on this new frontier, so they they literally thought if they put anything out, people, people would, would they would buy it, even if it was the same thing over and over again.
0: And it led to a depression. And then... What happened is, what they co- see, all these consoles are brought out in different generations. That the, basically, at the, the end of the second generation of gaming, it was on its knees. And then a small company in Japan called Nintendo? Ah, uh, hmm. They released something called super fa- the, the, the Famicom or the NES. And they kept the word game off all their marketing. And I always wondered what it was called, the entertainment system. Entertainment system, entertainment yeah. Entertainment system. Sounds
1: entertainment. More, more astute.
0: Yes, and it was because of the stigma around game at the time. I mean, kinda like now, you know, you can't say you're a gamer because people immediately think you're part of the stupidity that is Gamergate, for example. You know, and all and all that nonsense. But um yeah, Nintendo, you know, they had a gr they, they, they just decided, you know what, we're gonna do what we want, how we're gonna do it, and boom, they pulled it out. They had like hundreds of games and they had an aggressive third party um uh Developer agreement, which is so funny to think about now, because Nintendo doesn't do well with other developers. You know the, the stigma that they yeah have.
1: they do their own stuff, and they've they've done a pretty dang good job. But I'd say they, you know, that Nintendo by by far probably has the most innovative video game titles.
0: Oh yeah, and you, I mean e-
1: even, even in the earlier consoles like Legend of Zelda. Yes, um, you know Mario, Mario yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, Ma- I mean
0: Mario was was uh, was ahead of its time, I guess, but it it. Fell into its time at the same time. If that makes sense,
1: it was a, it was the right place at the right time. Yeah. And the thing that the, for the people that may, you know, question Nintendo's influence on modern gaming, I mean, Mario was the first side-scrolling platformer. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was. It, you've had a host, host of games that have tried to recapture that magic. You know, and,
0: and I mean, if you look, if you look at the the old, like we, we jumping ahead, the Super Nintendo control pad, the remote. Yeah. It was the first one to have more than 3 buttons. Oh yeah. And it was the first one to have the bumpers at the top. Right. Well, PlayStation came in with L1 and R1 and whatever. So yeah. what did Nintendo do? They were the first one to introduce the analog stick.
1: And the Z the Z button the Z on came on the GameCube. Yeah. I mean, they were the first one to yeah. do
0: they the first one to do the analog stick, which then Sony st- Used, yeah. and I mean they were the first one to do motion capture, which Sony and Microsoft tried to build up. So they're always innovated. Nintendo were pro- probably the most innovative company uh,
1: by not just by games but consoles. I mean, you had you know the NES, which opened a lot of doors, yeah. Super NES, uh, and then all the way up until you know about a decade ago, the Wii. You know, motion oh, motion control. You know,
0: the Wii was the Wii was ahead of its time. Absolutely, and the Wii U wasn't.
1: Yeah, the Wii U was—I don't—I don't know. It was kind of like the Wayne's World Two of Nintendo <laughs> systems. Like it was pretty good, but like it's like oh, it's still not as good as that the, first one.
0: Nintendo are kind of like Microsoft in a way, and what I mean by that is you have Windows, you have one bad operating system followed by a great operating system. Ninety-five to ninety-eight, yeah. MEXP, uh, Vista Seven. Eight, ten. 10. Well, it was the same thing, you know, you yeah. had... Not that they were bad, although some of them were, but, you, you know, you get the idea they of progression. Weren't
1: the, they weren't the same, or they were too contrived.
0: They plateaued in the, in the second one, then they re There you go. Um, Atari did come out with something new during that time, but again, because of Nintendo's third-party agreements, they couldn't get any decent games out there. Now, the third-party agreements, the way it worked, was Nintendo would exclusively make, um, let's say, Madden, right? They'd make Madden. Sega could make Madden. But they'd have to wait two years to get that version of Madden. So Nintendo was always two years ahead in in the game market. Right. Which was a benefit to Sega in a, in a way because they kind of did what Nintendo does now. And they innovated and made their own games. And they went about getting their own licenses. And, yeah. you know. They did a really really good job. Atari did release another console, but it just died a death. The seventy eight hundred is it's a good console, but it, again, like the Dreamcast, it just it was hampered by circumstance,
1: you know. Yeah. And well, also also the uh, well the Dreamcast too. Those very limited selection of gaming yeah. games or inter- entertainment modules or whatever Nintendo would have you know what call them. So. Uh, I think that that hurts in a way too, but then again, you have that on one hand, but on the other hand, you have the Atari system where they were oversaturating the yeah. market with, you know, the same game with the different color scheme and like a diff- a frog instead of a dude
0: or whatever. Nintendo found the balance. Yeah, and I think the best way to describe Atari's later years. Have you ever been to like one of those markets that sells you a control pad with like twenty thousand games in one? Yeah, and like yeah. eight thousand of them are just different Mario clones. Yeah, you know so. Th- that was basically a Atari in the end, but not just that. Home computer gaming was um, starting to, to to build up. I mean, in yeah. in Europe, I don't know about about in America, but in Europe, you definitely had the ZX Spectrums, the Commodore sixty four, and the Amstrads, who were kind of you know keeping that up, and they were using cassettes.
1: That, yeah, that was I. I, I you know, it, it could have been um, widely used in the U.S. at the time. I mean, I was I was pretty young. I was under ten. Yeah. I didn't know anybody that owned those systems. I've definitely heard of a Commodore 64. Yeah. In, in America, um, by the late 80s, if you didn't have a Nintendo Entertainment System, you were, you yeah. were, you were nobody. Everybody had one. I mean, and that's, and that's the thing. I mean, the Nintendo Entertainment System for a very brief period of time in the late 80s was no different than a toaster or a washing machine yeah. or a refrigerator. Everybody had one. Yeah. Some, uh, my, uh, my, my stepbrother at the time had one in each room. Every room there's a TV. There was a Nintendo. That way he could take his game, play in wow. the living room, play in the bed. I mean, so people, people, yeah, it was it was a staple. It was a staple.
0: Yeah. Well, now we come to why we're here. In the... so that's an interesting prologue, I guess you can say. But now we're into while we're here, we're into the decade, the best decade, the 2000s. No, I'm just kidding. We're, yeah. we're, going, we're going into the 90s. So basically, you know, PC gaming was in its infancy. They, it wasn't that great, and a lot of the uh, the home gaming done not on consoles was done basically on cassette based. Uh, Units. Yeah. So the fourth generation kicks in around about 1987. What do you mean? I thought you were talking about the 90s. Hear me out. That's when Sega started developing what would be called the Genesis or the Mega Drive. Um, They released it kind of in 89. And it was... First, in Europe, we call it the, the Mega Drive. And in Japan and Australia, they call it the Mega Drive. But over here, they call it the Genesis. And nobody's been able to find out why. The closest thing that everybody's got is there was a trademark dispute over the word Mega Drive in the United States. So they just called it the Genesis. Okay. Um it was more powerful than than, than the, the the SNES that came out. Yeah. It had much better graphics and, you know, everything. And, you know, it they debuted Sega's newest mascot, which was this cool wisecracking hedgehog as opposed to this meat Italian plumber, you know?
1: Yeah, uh, first impression, uh, when I was a kid and Sega came out, um, uh, Sega seemed like the the type of company that would put on a leather jacket and jump on their bike and drive down the store to get milk. Yes. And Nintendo kind of seemed like the company that would get in their minivan and take their kids to soccer.
0: Yeah. But, but,
1: but, I mean, nothing wrong with either of them, but it was that attitude that Sonic brought, because, I mean... If you think about it, Sonic is essentially a side a side-scrolling platformer, yep. just like Mario. However, they put their own twist on it. They put you know, it's like, once, it's once like they had the Spin Dash. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's and that's the thing. You got to keep people's attention. Even yeah. back then, like stuff that people are attracted to motion. And when he would. Run down those ramps and start spinning around and going around the loops, and man. The it was, just go, yeah, it was just mesmerizing, and it was something we'd never seen before. It was, you know?
0: They had more colors with it too, so it was yeah. visually more impaired. And yeah, he's an anthropomorphic. Uh, say that five times fast, uh, hedgehog. But at the same time, you know, he had a purpose in his in his thing. He wasn't just the traditional "let's save the girl,"
1: and, right? And they had great music in that game. Oh, definitely, the, dude. The uh, Chemical Zone, Plant oh. Plant Two or uh, Stage Two. Yeah, that that sometimes I would just put that on and just like clean the house. If you get a yeah.
0: chance, look on YouTube for um it's on Sonic 2. I can't remember the name of the world now, but it's the one that's underground with the minecarts.
1: Oh yeah, the uh swamp it's swamp zone or it's like some kind of uh
0: Something like that. Yeah. And it's and got that funky about... baseline to it. And, you know, it, it, some dude made a MIDI version of it. Yeah. And it sounds really, really cool. If they ever, like, um, I know one of the big things right now, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks, is uh, remastering or rebuilding from the ground up, you know, franchises. Yeah. They do good to, you know, put... That kind of music in that you
1: know yeah uh, i mean the uh late 80s early 90s was the golden age of video game music oh definitely because like because now like the games like skyrim you've got you know it's a school we've got a world-class composer sitting there working with you know a 80 person orchestra and yeah. they're all you know but this this other thing man this is a couple dudes with a midi sitting there programming it out
0: deep yeah. booty
1: Boop. And like, it's just, you
0: know it, it it it's now it doesn't sound that great, but when you listen to it, you know all good songs you can play either on a piano or an acoustic guitar just by themselves, stripped back. And you can't do that with a lot of video game sounds now. But like yeah. I said, between like eighty five and ninety five, it was you know I think when uh, Nintendo started bringing out in, that weird time in between the Super Nintendo and Nintendo sixty four, yeah, where uh, the SNES was trying to. Like make their graphics better, and they had the extra two chips in the in the in the cartridge.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Killer Instinct, for example, is is, is an exi- you know is, yeah. is, is the kind of thing they started doing with re- with real music, and that kind of started killing it. You know. Yeah. I think Donkey Kong Country was the last proper proper musical score in a video game. at least. Yeah,
1: I always appreciate it when I play a game now and they do like an eight bit music throwback. Yeah. I I don't, I, don't, I always really really appreciate that.
0: Well, we mentioned that. Um, Sega released the Mega Drive, and they were competing with the SNES. Um, Nintendo. That was actually a reluctant. Looking back, it seems weird now, but it was a reluctant kind of upgrade, because Nintendo were all in the NES at that point. And I think it was uh, the Game and Watch, which was their first attempt at handheld. Yeah, I have to ask my son. He he, tell me. Good lord, he tell me. Uh, <laughs> but um, it was reluctant. It was a reluctant build because. Nintendo had that attitude that Atari had: is you know all we've got to do is say here's our new cartridge, and everybody would buy it. And again, with the third-party stuff, you know they were able to get more titles in there, but at the same time, they had inferior hardware. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean the the Sega Genesis, I've said we, as we just mentioned, it was you know really really good in terms of its hardware, its graphics.
1: And it was it was I think the controller scared people yes. the NES the Super NES because they had the four. Four on the top and then two on the sides, whereas whereas the Sega Genesis had A, B, and C.
0: Yeah, and I think I think it was Street Fighter that actually saved the Nintendo, the, the SNES, with that because
1: the high punch, low punch, yeah. high kick, low kick thing. It, it yeah. made
0: use of those buttons rather than just window dressing, and then people got more comfortable. And right. now we've got what eight thousand buttons on a remote these days.
1: Yeah, I think the what my PS Four's got what two analog sticks, a D pad, uh, eight buttons, and then a touch pad. So that's like ten or something like that. Yeah,
0: and and I've I've got now for gamers. Listen to this, PlayStation Four, Xbox One for me. Yeah. Yep. And look, we're still talking to each other haven't killed each other. Yet. I've
1: been team team Sony a uh, long, long time. I've I've actually owned Xboxes. Uh, they just always got the red ring of death.
0: Mm. Well, see, and, we, and we, when we go more into this yeah. at another part, I've owned basically, I've played every console that's come out since the third generation. Yeah, and I've owned a lot of them. But I, I know, I think now because of the development thing is that the developers realized they could get more money by releasing the game on two different platforms. You had to buy, like, if I wanted to play Sonic, I had to buy Sega.
1: Yeah, there was ex- exclusive things there, like, um, and that, and that's what really waged the war between Sonic, or excuse me, between Sega and Nintendo. These exclusives, like on Nintendo, you had. Um, you know, Mario Kart, yeah. and then on Sega you had um, Altered Beasts and all these original titles that were exclusive. There, you know.
0: When they tried to cross the streams in, in, in that era, though, it never quite worked. If you had a game that was... The game either worked on one of the consoles and the port to the other one just didn't quite... You know, a good example is, is the game Theme Park. The theme park on the SNES was dreadful. NBA Jam on the SNES was dreadful, but on the Sega it was fantastic.
1: NBA Jam was my jam. Actually, I have a remastered version of it on my PS3. Nice. And uh, I'm I'm very very close to beating it on all the platinum levels. Oh my dang! It's yeah, that game that game is still hard.
0: Um, what what a lot of people don't know, aside from the the hardcore gamers, is that uh, during the time that Nintendo were building the SNES, they were speaking with Sony about building a CD based. Uh, system, and s- Nintendo pulled out of that project, and Sony was left with the project, which we'll get to here in a couple of minutes, because yeah. that was a very, very that, that's very, very important. It's usually glossed over, but it's very, very important in the history of, of video games, When you think about it. Now, there was a, a brand that, I don't know if it was well-known in the United States. It was definitely well-known in Europe. It was called the Neo Geo.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, we yeah we knew about uh Neo Geo was a rare console in the States, but you had, um... Arcade games that yeah. held Neo Geo tiles; those are very, very common.
0: Yeah, I mean, they basically, put in in, in the nineties, in the early nineties, most of the new arcade boxes were basically Neo Geo machines. Yeah, and they released the everything without the cabinet. I guess you could say just, the you know, the console and the, and the and the the thing, and it was actually very, very powerful, more powerful than than the SNES and the Genesis combined, and. Every game got like a severe thumbs up. You know, I mean, every game was really, really good. The graphics were great. Uh, Midway, I think, was one of the big things. You know, like the Mortal but it was motion capture rather than animation. Right. The only problem was it was really, really expensive. And what titles... It, it had a low amount of titles, and it was too expensive. Yeah. And ahead of its time?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah but I think it goes back to the... Um the, the approachability of this sort of thing, because yeah. I mean, you know, uh, any, any car will get you to work, but a, a Maserati is going to cost a lot more than a Toyota Corolla. True. So if you can get if you can get something good out of something that's not quite as expensive, and you know, there's plenty of titles for, then why not just stick with the Sega or the Super NES? You can, that's true. You can go to Blockbuster Video at the time. Yeah. Rest in peace. And <laughs> rent whatever game you wanted. I I remember renting. Uh, before I owned one, I remember renting a Super NES for a weekend. I sat there and played Street Fighter Two Turbo until I beat the beat M Bison in the very end with guile. Oh, you know,
0: M Bison was a tough boss.
1: Yeah, I one
0: minute he was there, the next minute you got to punch him, and he's over there. Like, what, 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 you what about
1: what about Dulcine punching you from across the room? Oh, I, I was yeah. never a fan of that.
0: Mm-mm, that's why I always went Honda or Chun Li, whichever one, whichever one's had the you come near me and, and you'll get hurt kind of thing without me having to move. Bo- both of them. Uh, um during this time Nintendo released Nintendo and Sega both released the first uh, basically handhelds you know what 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 would be the grandfather of modern handhelds
1: which uh, is absolutely huge because at the time they had um I had like a little handheld Nintendo game that folded folded up like you would open it up and the controls would be on one side and the
0: yeah the, I think that was the Game and Watch
1: I can't remember I can't remember what it was but it was about the size of a uh, like a long, one of those long check wallets. Yeah. You just flip it open. It had, uh, and it was, if you've ever seen those, um, I'm trying to remember, Tiger, yeah. Tiger watches. Yeah. It was basically set up like that where there was a screen that already had all the quote unquote animations on it and yeah. basically what it would do is it would move to a different pixel, a different picture to represent motion and I, I when I was moving to here from Arizona, I played, no, the other way around. When I moved to no, okay. When I moved to Arizona, I sat there and must have played that thing 12 hours. Uh, Donkey Kong, man. Oh, but I, I always wondered if there would be a time where you could fit all of those games, in, like have it be like a a true portable console where you could change games out. So this was absolutely huge for, for gamers and for Nintendo as well.
0: Nintendo didn't like it at the time. They, they called it... Uh the Dame game, which uh, Dame means lame in Japanese, hmm. they just thought it was like a cash grab, and, and nobody would buy it um, because of the lack of color. You know, it was, it was basically
1: it, it wasn't backlit either, no. so you couldn't play it. Um, couldn't play it at night. You really well. I I've, I played it on the road by the light of the street lamps. <laughs> Just hoping I, I Just hoping I didn't die. I didn't die between each uh, you know, passing light.
0: The most successful handheld in the history of video games. So yeah. you never know what you have on your hands until until you get it out there. Um, Sega released the Game Gear. Um that was basically the portable master system. Which I think was a good idea. The, yeah. They based the technology on stuff that they already had. So they went back to 8 bit. Um, the hardware adventures they had over the Game Boy, were, you know, it, it was full color. It was full yeah, battery. it was
1: fully backlit, full color. Um, they they had the highest resolution possible. It was a widescreen display.
0: Full full games, not yeah. just abbreviated, bridge down versions. The problem is, though, you put full batteries in there and you've got maybe 10 minutes of game time before you got to replace the batteries.
1: Yeah, I do remember that. Um, yeah. It, it, was, it was a really, really cool system. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think. I think the Game the Game Boy gets a slight advantage to the two, though, simply because...
0: Um, Where it went.
1: Well, not only that, but... Um, Nintendo, okay, Sega basically just tried to, like, redo the games they'd already done for the Game Gear console, whereas Nintendo was, like, that's New that's
0: franchises. when they started
1: doing Final Fantasy and some Kirby. of these other... Yeah.
0: Pokemon.
1: The things that were started off, at, you know... They basically they wanted to have their own distinction for the handheld console, in my opinion, so that it would incentivize people to go out and have it. Hey, this has got yeah. a game that I can't play on my regular system, you know, and it, it 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 opened the floodgates all the way up to the most modern systems like the D the DS and the PSP and stuff like that.
0: And I think the fact that they started making the um the cartridge where you could play. Uh, Game Boy games on the SNES. Yeah, that was huge. That kind of helped too because yeah. you know now you hit, now you could you you hit both markets at once.
1: And you can take you can say you're at home and your Game Boy died or you just want to play on the screen. You can take it out and yeah. boom, play it on the other one. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, what happens when scenes become popular? Usually, Hollywood gets involved. Yeah, and Hollywood and video games do not mix
1: not necessarily i feel like there's been some success but i mean there's some there's some decent um movie based games there's some terrible ones and then there's some really good ones there's a couple of really good ones yeah
0: i mean i mean when 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 a game is based off a movie it's you know it's it's hit and miss but when a movie's based off a game forget about it i mean it's it's the three three of the biggest franchises in the 90s super mario brothers Street Fighter franchise and Mortal Kombat.
1: Fail, fail, fail. Fail.
0: Mario and Street Fighter, I'll be honest. I think as movies, they're good movies. Sure. But not based on the subject matter. Either. Well, yeah,
1: cuz I, I you know, I actually recently watched the Super Super Mario Brothers and it it, it, it it there's a lot of it that doesn't add up now. No. Um, and they didn't they didn't really follow the game like they you thought they would have. No. Like um did the whole thing about koopa and there's these these guys with little heads and some for some reason there's dinosaurs and there's time travel and dimensional it's like no dude i wanted i wanted to see uh john legazamo jump up and hit his head on a question mark block eat a mushroom get 10 times bigger and then go stomp on some koopas it was nothing like that
0: it needed to be animated not live action or at least motion caption.
1: I, I've I've read some horror stories about that movie. How the script changed like six oh, times, and
0: I think Dennis Harper was only supposed to work on it for like three weeks, and ended up working sixteen. Yeah, Same thing with Bob Hoskins. They
1: Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo um, admitted to drinking and/or being intoxicated during on the set and during parts of the film.
0: I think that's the only way they could have got through it,
1: dude. I mean, uh, yeah, that that yeah, I was I was so excited about that one. And there was, um, this one's, okay, well, we've got this on the list, but I think it's important to recognize the, um, there was a game that was about video gaming, or excuse me, a movie about video gaming, uh, The Wizard.
0: The Wizard, that was the three hour commercial for Nintendo. Right, and it
1: previewed Mario 3, and that's one of the reasons why people were so excited to see it, like kids like my age, because hey, oh dude, new Mario, Mario, we gotta see what's going on with this. But, yeah, it was an absolute abomination. They were trying to press the Power Glove. The, the Power Glove So no, no, Nobody likes the, the Power Glove. The Power Glove. The dude's like, yeah, I got the Power Glove. I've got every Nintendo game ever made. That, yeah, I mean, it was just a big, huge endorsement. For him. Yeah. It's,
0: it, uh, the or, <sighs> That's the origin story of Thanos. Um <laughs> You know what? The Super Mario sucked, as we know. It was you know, it was bad. It was a <laughs> wasted cast and everything you want to... They tried, but they, they failed. Street Fighter was better, I think, because I think it, it, was. Kept, it kept everything in there. And you know what?
1: They did great on casting. Raoul Julia as oh, Bison. Definitely. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme yeah. as Guile. I mean, come on. You, and just those two alone.
0: Yeah, th- I think those two were absolutely perfect. Casting
1: but, director deserves a, a freaking award for that.
0: The guy who played Zangief was fantastic.
1: Yep. They, uh, everybody was spot on.
0: Just the problem was it was... It was a g- too generic of a plot yeah. as a movie, and the script wasn't great. The story was good, the yeah. script wasn't. Raul Julia did a great performance when he was doing serious, but when he was over the top, it was even better. Right. You know, um, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah,
1: and they made like, what, two sequels to that? Yeah. Didn't they? Oh, my lord.
0: I mean, all, all those movies had exactly the same problems, right? The characters were weak, the cast was wasted. And I guess only in Street Fighter's case, it was close enough to the source material that it was just an adaptation in game only, in name only. Excuse me, not game only. I mean, because you couldn't look at the Mario Brothers movie and tell it was a Mario movie until the, you saw the two characters being called Mario and Luigi. Yeah,
1: and they had the the and they had the costumes on. And yeah, you heard the boing and all the little. They did some little effects everywhere. Yeah. It
0: just yeah, it just it just couldn't work. And then um, he put
1: on boots that made him fly for some yeah. reason. Like I just I, I, don't, I don't know. It's like they like they did a bunch of psychedelics and then decided to go film that thing i swear
0: and they were expecting a sequel to be made if the last (laughs) scene is anything to go by they were expecting a sequel to be made um (laughs) video game movies really just don't click i mean we've had things like warcraft come out you know we've had um i'm uh, tomb raider i think was the most successful successful franchise but yeah counter on tomatoes only one movie has got a higher than five out of ten rating, and that was rampage that was released last year
1: Huh, Rampage was a fun game. It got a little monotonous after a while, but
0: it, it did. I mean, but now most of these video game movies are seen as you know so bad that it's good. Arm yeah, the darkness bad. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, my, I, I, you know, I, I'll Mario Brothers. I'll probably go watch it tonight because it's it's it. I liked it. I, I'll be, I'll no, be- I
1: mean, yeah, it was for for what it's worth. It was it was a good movie. Okay. A- Although if if you just watch the movie knowing nothing about the game, yeah, yeah, it's fine movie. But wh- it's like. It's like reading your favorite book and then going seeing the movie. Like, no matter how well done the movie is, no matter how well, well written the book is, your idea in your head is going to be much different than perhaps the person that put the, the fil- uh, film or book together.
0: So That's true. You I mean, keep, keep that in mind. And 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 I could I could go on about the Hunger Games, which is one of my favorite adaptations. Um, yeah. Because uh, uh, Lord of the Rings. See, you know, the, the, I can't remember her name, Miss Collins, who wrote the books. My apologies if not for not remembering your first name. Um, she actually wrote she was a consultant on the script for the first Hunger Games movie, which is why it was as close to the book as it could be. But she even admitted that the parts she pulled out were filler. So, you know, um, so we go to what people see as the, the, the Supreme race PC gamers. Oh, that's debatable. It's debatable. It's, it's a game is a game. I guess yeah. console you play it on, um, PC gaming started taking off in the mid nineties, usually run on DOS Some ran with some had CD ROMs that you had to install the data on and then ran on DOS or
1: a disk that you had to pop in. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and it led for like larger scope in games. Now, at the beginning of the show, we at the beginning we started talking about you know how amped we were for Elder Scrolls 6 coming out. Well, it was around about that time that the first two Elder Scrolls games came out, and the map in Skyrim is has been calculated at uh, 7.5 square miles, I think. Are twenty-one square miles. Hmm. The map for Daggerfall was randomly generated, and it was the size of the UK hmm. in, re- in real dimensions. So it was the same size as as England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and Wales. Now, the the the, the, the most recent Elder Scrolls game in the series was what the size of three football fields? I mean, you, you know, in, in real terms. Um, one of my favorite series, Championship Manager, they had a large database of stats for players. I think you can only get that on the PC because of the fact of the external storage that it had.
1: Yeah, and plus the up, updating um, stats and yeah. stuff like that, yeah.
0: I mean, when... I know the internet was kind of in its infancy back then, but even then they were they were trying to have permanent internet connections like we've got now with you know cable internet and DSL. Yeah, and they stuff were like trying that.
1: to do TCP/IP and uh, yep. uh the early early versions of high speed internet, if you will.
0: So that be- that made online gaming become a reality, which has its benefits and its drawbacks. I think.
1: Well, the you know, and uh, yeah, well, totally. Uh, uh, but I think it's important to talk about one of the very first inceptions of online gaming, not laning where you go to someone's house, plug in through their lan, yeah. but modem modem to modem online gaming. But I, me and my buddy Matt used to uh, do play Duke Nukem that way, I and mean, we had a lot a lot of fun. His computer was a little bit faster though, so I'd be coming around the corner and he'd go woo <laughs> jumping around, and but yeah, um, you would literally just have to call and connect to each other's computer, so that. That was the very beginning of it, but um, yeah, it's come a real long way.
0: It, it definitely has. One thing I don't like about online gaming is I don't know how, how PlayStation does it because you know I got out of online gaming because I'm I'm an adult and I don't want to hear how many people have sold my mother. Um, <laughs> but um, PCs, you just have to have an internet connection mm-hmm. with uh, Microsoft with the Xbox One. You have to have a Microsoft account.
1: Yeah, and you have to pay for this. And pay service. sixty dollars a year. Yeah, oh. and Sony just one of the reasons I love Sony so much is because uh, online gaming was free. They've changed that now. It's, oh. I think it's uh, fifty bucks a year, or uh, like nine bucks a month, or something like that.
0: Mm-mm. Then they you you, you can stop that crap. Yeah, you gouging just just make the games ten dollars more expensive. There you go. People will pay the extra ten bucks for I don't, free access.
1: I don't. Yeah, if I can if I can buy the new Madden and then get a code to play it online for that full year. Cool. I mean, i pay 10 bucks more for that all day. They're yeah.
0: not. Right. I would too. Well, if I could play Madden, that is. Well, you insert <laughs> insert
1: online game here. You know what I mean? No,
0: the, the, I think I told you yesterday my uh, my knowledge of American football is such that the first time I played Madden, the Catholic in me started playing every play with a Hail Mary post. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when so, I
1: was a kid, that's how I played too, man. I was either run, okay, and now they're going to blitz. Hail Mary. Hail Mary. Play action, Hail Mary to Jerry Rice,
0: touchdown. <laughs> wow. S- we mentioned earlier. That Nintendo had a collaboration with Sony, and that went absolutely nowhere because Nintendo were big, billy badass, and, and they put their bollocks out on the street, and it's like, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna do things our way, to hell with the consequences. So Sony carried on the project, and they kind of saw the potential of what uh, a fully developed video game system, and they released the PlayStation, the original PS one or PSX, depending on which way you look at it, and what a console. Yeah. What a console. I
1: yeah, mean, that, uh, that, uh, that lit a fire under Nintendo's ass. Oh, definitely. definitely. It, it, definitely. It,
0: it had to. I mean, it was the first fifth generation for a start, so it was already... It had double the power of what Nintendo were working on for the 64 and what uh, uh Sega were working on for the Saturn. You know, um, it, it was the first system to have 2.5D games. Now, for those who don't know what 2.5D gaming is... You have two D, which is you know Mario,
1: side to side, side to side. One, yeah, two perspective.
0: You have three D, which is I guess you can say the Elder Scrolls, right? You know, X, y X, Y, and Z. Yeah. 25 2. D gaming was you had three D, you had two D foregrounds and three D backgrounds. It was it was a two D service, but it, okay, it was two D programming, but it was made to look three D, right? so it was basically fake 3D but that's what they call it 2.5
1: we saw shades of that in uh, Mario 3 yes when you could walk behind the backgrounds and walk behind bushes and stuff yeah
0: yeah Um, kind of like Mario Kart as well you know it had 3D stuff but it was literally just a 2D thing sure but Sony made big use of that. I mean look at Tekken 2 yeah that was pretty much the first time that it did that you know I mean with Street Fighter it was literally a platform you jumped over with you, you like Rotate in in Tekken, the screen would rotate. You would rotate. It was it, it was brilliant.
1: And in Tekken three, they added the um, the sidestep parry, which made it a yeah. full three D game. Yep, which is which was huge at the time. It was other people had tried it, um, but that was one of the first times that it, it actually looked good and was fluid and natural and smooth. So.
0: Tekken gets a I want to say a bad rap, but it's definitely underrated. When you have Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter. And they look for the third franchises. People usually go for Killer Instinct. Sure, but I think Tekken is not only does it deserve to be in the conversation. I actually think it's better than Mortal Kombat.
1: I agree with that, but I think what well, I think with the appeal for uh, some of the other games is that Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. I mean, you can you can pretty much get away with button mashing in there. Yeah. I mean, it's just for fun. Just going there and you couldn't blo- do that with Tekken. Well, you you can, but it, it's not going to end well. No. Especially uh, seasoned players that know how to counter, how to parry, how to. They, they, they know what kind of attacks you're going to do. Okay, he's going to do this. He's going to come up. Okay, then I do that.
0: Yoshimitsu, man, was the, was oh, the man. Oh, yeah he, yeah.
1: he actually has a move. He has a, uh, like a, a, a showboat move yeah. where if you say you're him and you beat somebody down so bad that like you only have like just a sliver of life left and you've got a whole bunch, there's a move where he, walk, he walks up to them, turns around, and stabs himself with his sword yep. through himself to kill you.
0: Yeah. Just just to do it.
1: Yoshimitsu is crazy. I,
0: I loved Yoshimitsu. PlayStation was the first to use CD-ROMs as their primary source to success. Yep. And I think that expanded um, the fact that you could hold almost a gigabyte on a CD helped them, definitely. Because yeah. much more than a cartridge for a start. Absolutely. And memory cards came in. That yeah. that's now that was iconic at the time. That yeah.
1: that was definitely because um, back then you didn't really have
0: built-in hard drives.
1: You didn't really have thumb drives either, though. No, that was kind of an unheard of thing. So they, in a way, they kind of innovated that portable memory technology. Now I now I have a, a four terabyte hard drive that I can fit in my back pocket.
0: Oh yeah, I've got. I mean, I carry key rings right now with four gigabytes in that.
1: That's what I'm saying. I got a sixteen gig one in my pocket right now. I mean, yeah. That that that. that would have blown my mind 25 years ago.
0: So, what you know what happened? What what, what it forced Nintendo and Sega to do? What's that? The N64 was good, but it, it... This is not trying to be sacrilegious, guys. Believe me when I say this. The Nintendo 64 was underwhelming. And what I mean by that is...
1: It should have been better for what it was, but it was still good, but...
0: If Sony hadn't released the PlayStation, the N64 would have been seen as... King. the King. Yeah. But... The problem was, is because Sony's technology and ideas far outstripped Nintendo's at the time. Basically, Nintendo and Sega abandoned the fifth generation, the Saturn and the sixty-four, and started work on what would become the sixth generation, which would be the Dreamcast and the GameCube. GameCube, I loved the GameCube. I think it was fantastic. It was a great you know? console,
1: yeah. Get really gimmicky marketing, but a, but otherwise a good console. They were trying to utilize the mini disks, yeah, which at the time I, I thought were going to be the next big thing. But they fizzled out.
0: You never know. You never know what's, what's going to be this. Remember um, the Blu-ray versus HD DVD wars? Yeah, yeah. And believe it or not, and the same thing happened with the Betamax stuff, uh, Betamax and VHS. How you determine who's going to win, who, who won that kind of thing, was porn. Which which whichever format porn was going to, that would be the one that the industry followed. I know it sounds weird, right? It really does. But you had three major studios on this side, three major studios on this side, right? These did HD DVD. These did Blu-ray. Whichever one porn was going to would determine which technology because guys are not going to buy two systems just for their porn, all, right? So porn went Blu-ray. And that's how it did. And that's, that's how every innovation system has, has, has gone on like that. Look, that's the reason why all the smartphones have full screens now. You know, it's, that's it's, why
1: they, they got, in the uh, early 2000s, they started getting real small, yeah. and then once uh, they became smart, and we could watch videos on them, right. surprise, surprise, now they're bigger.
0: And that kind of, you know, that, the reason I say that is because, not to be gross or anything like that, but Sony decided to do something that Nintendo and Sega weren't. They went after young men. They went after uh, 18 to 25-year-old men. Yeah, they got, they got money. They got money. Yeah. They got money. They, they got,
1: got time. They got disposable income, yeah.
0: And that's why a lot of the games were getting suggestive and you know scantily clad and stuff like that. You know, the
1: leisure suit Larrys of the world.
0: Yes, so they went the porn route. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, uh, two things it sells: sex and violence.
0: Yep, and Larry and Leisure Suit Larry had both. Uh, <laughs> yep, it was violence because you can't believe he paid forty bucks for that game. <laughs> uh, oh, Leisure Suit, I actually actually own a emulated copy of that for the Amiga. That yeah
1: nice saw so my key ring
0: uh, <laughs> oh cool yeah I,
1: my buddy uh my buddy matt same buddy i mentioned earlier yeah he had i think 7 7 of those and we we would uh we would hang out on the weekends and drink pepsi and eat pizza rolls and do palace chat and play leisure suit larry there you go palace chat yeah the original social media network
0: updates ms uh, updates msn by far for uh <laughs> The sad part about this is, while Sony was in the ascent, Atari died. And... That's the best way to say this. The depression of the video game industry in the 80s led to delays in the Atari system, and then when they were released, they were seen as bush league. You know, they were were a generation or two behind. Like, Sony's releasing 128-bit 3D, and Atari's still... On
1: CD-ROM. Yeah, and Atari's still
0: putting cartridges... With no memory in the in the consoles, eight bit. I mean,
1: that's like that's like selling an eight track video right now.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. So yes, Mm-mm.
1: it's gonna be a tough sell. Although I'm sure somebody's granddad out there would appreciate it.
0: <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you know, they, they they carried on in the end. They sold to Hasbro in '96 and. Retro gamers love Atari systems now. You know, the, the the hardcore retro gamers who haven't picked up anything since the PlayStation 2, you know, they, they love Atari. The The Atari logo and color scheme is iconic. But at the same time, were Atari a good video game company?
1: I mean, it's I, at its inception, I think so. Because they were doing things that no one had ever done before. They were pioneering yeah. the commercial video game market. But I... I, I I would agree with your earlier statement. I don't think they they kept up with the times. I don't think no. they spent enough money on marketing R and D and stuff like that, and understanding their demographic. Um, although I have heard that Hasbro is about to relaunch Atari, a hey. new system called the VCS. Nice. And I'm very curious to see what it sounds like. I think I think
0: everybody like. is. I think it's like when they announced they were going to release a Nokia 3330. You know, everybody just wants to have a look and see. Nobody nobody's going to use it, I guess, on a mainstream level. But they yeah. just want to have a look and see, just to see, you know. That's that was a good phone. I had I had one of those. Yeah, it's a great. My house on it. Um, yep. Atari wasn't the only thing that died. The arcades started going downhill too.
1: Yeah.
0: Which sucked because man, you know, I didn't go to arcades much because I lived in a town, thirty thousand people that had a beach. Excuse yeah. me. But we'd have to go to the next town, all which is Swansea, and we didn't do that as much as we probably could, and they had some arcades and stuff like that there, but. Again, after Sony came out, after the sixty-four and the Saturn, the graphics were getting big. The graphics were getting better, but the problem was the games were getting bigger too. I mean, look, you could do Pac-Man until you run out of lives, but now games started adding hit points, hit meters, RPGs. I mean, look, we, again, we mentioned Skyrim, but let's go back a generation. Let's go to Oblivion or Fallout, Fallout Three. How many hours can you put in a game like that? 50, 60, 70, 80 on one character? You can't do that pumping quarters into into arcade box.
1: Yeah, you might at that point you might as well just buy the game outright and I think that's what people realize, too because you know like you said, you know it was hard to get them to spend money and put real money in those machines. I mean, I remember uh, there was a nickel arcade in Tucson where I grew up and I used to get like 10 bucks and go sit there all day, yeah. Take up that dude's space at his place for all day for ten dollars.
0: Yeah, it just it started to not get it feasible. Was, it wasn't viable, no. And then you had full player games being released by the consoles, the multi taps that came out. Oh, I had so much fun with that. Oh yeah, I, I, I loved I loved cleaning my brother's up in uh, Gran Turismo. Um, just you know, you, you can't yeah, you know, like you just said, you can't charge twenty five cents for, for gameplay and then have some dude sitting there for four, five, six hours. Yeah, you know, Just it just it you're just. You're not making any money that way. The good thing is, is that arcades didn't die, and they are actually, you know,
1: they become more specialized. Yeah, I mean, they still they be- have games that you're not going to be able to play at home unless, for the most part, unless yeah. you buy the huge cruising USA car with the two TVs put in it. Yeah, which, I mean, you know, the wife's probably not going to like that very much. No, she won't. But
0: uh, oh well. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't hit me, Sarah. Uh, no, but I mean. The arcades have still specialized in that that market, and they still have you know the old fashioned games. What one of the thing's I like what they've done is that they haven't decided to. They haven't decided to embrace the future, so to speak. They've just kept doing what they're doing, and now you know you have the two player modes, and you know your, your dollar doesn't go that far, which is how it, how it used to be. Yeah, and you know. The, they're doing it at what, county fairs and specialized markets. And... and you
1: see them in pizza parlors yeah. and just you know uh, kids' recreation places. Hell, um, the daycare that I went to here in town as a kid, they had a room that they emptied out, and they put a couple of arcade machines in it, and they were for pay. Nice. Once they were paid off, they were free, and they would take the money, off, and then they would buy another arcade machine with that money, and they just kept on going until the room was full. And before we know it, we had a room with like 30 arcade games that Dang. were free. It was awesome.
0: Dang, that's that's uh, you know, and I, and I miss that, that 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 Tom too. I mean, you know, you you have to actually leave the house to actually do something, you know. <laughs> so, right. but um, I'm I'm glad to see that that unlike Blockbuster, they learn to adapt.
1: You got to man, as as quick as technology changes. If you're a technology based company, man, you've got to do your homework. You got to do your R and D. Yeah, got it. You got to realize that you're. Demographics are getting older, they're changing, they're yep. emerging. you do, you, know, you got to stay on top of that. And the companies that haven't have gone by the wayside.
0: Sega. And for a while, Nintendo looked like they were going that way.
1: It looked pretty bleak until they... Um, until the Wii. Until the Wii. The Wii totally re- revived them.
0: Well, talking to older demographics, um, as Sony was going for the more adult market, the games were becoming more, more and more hyper-violent. You know, they were just... They were going to the ridiculous, I think. Look, there's nothing wrong with violence in video games per se, but, I mean, they were going over the top with some of this stuff. I mean, you can make an argument that it started with Mortal Kombat with, you know... The blood code. The blood code, are ripping somebody's spine out of their body. The fatalities, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that was, I mean, that was just on occasion that you had to do a special, you know... Summoning ceremony to to get to,
1: but but th- to be fair though they they made you go out of your way to be able to do it exactly. So it wasn't like uh, okay, I just hit a button and yeah. I'm gonna blow this guy up. No, you had to go you know four four down down up left right down A B A B start left down whatever yeah. you know, and you had to do it in a certain amount of time, and you had to work for it.
0: Yeah, no, you know, and it just didn't work. But now with face scanning technology, uh, more talented graphic designers, and the the hardware to have these things look more realistic you know horror games came out lots of go doom yeah I mean you know it just that it, was a fun game it was it was real really over the top you know, real really over the top it was more cartoony uh, not so much it didn't look realistic is, is, I guess yeah well I think
1: I mean that's probably the best they could have done if they'd they have rendered it like mapped it like like it, the remake that it, they it just looked, did yeah it, back then it wouldn't have looked right it would have looked too blocky and yeah. out of place you know
0: Grand Theft Auto, I think, the original Grand Theft Auto is considered, like, tame and child's play compared to what it was now.
1: Yeah, well... But the
0: idea uh, of taking a flamethrower and, and uh, you know, mowing down a, um, a Buddhist conga line yeah. was was shocking at its time.
1: Yeah, it, but, I mean, it was, it was a bird's-eye view. Um, you know, there was limited weaponry. But, yeah, I mean, you could just drive around and cause chaos. Now, you know, it's a full 3D game. You know, open you can world. open world. You can interact with anybody. You know, go anywhere. It's, yeah, but it's definitely, definitely um, one of the most challenging things that um, the, the industry had to face was the backlash from violence in video games. Was a lot of people like blaming certain yeah. events and tragedies and stuff on, on the, the video inf- games. on the influence of it. I mean, not,
0: not the parenting. Or, or potential mental health issues that yeah, we're diagnosed. I mean, but
1: that's that's a totally different issue in itself. People people should learn to recognize that entertainment is entertainment. And some people aren't going on. Some people are just wired differently than yeah. others. It's just life, man. People are going to do bad things, do bad things. They don't necessarily need motivation.
0: And see, th- th- that was the thing, the video game industry, Nintendo, of all people, started putting out some of these games that were just too over the top in their violence which kind of went against their ethos.
1: They're, they're very, like, family-friendly, family-oriented kind of yeah. vibe. Nin- you know?
0: As oxymoronic as the statement is, Nintendo, I think, is the console for the hardcore casual gamer. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: I'll put you this way. My mom played Nintendo. She didn't play anything else.
0: There you go. But one of the, one of the things, one of the last things I want to mention before we uh, wrap this up is the hyper violent games in the mid nineties. They kind of destroyed, for a brief time at least, all the other genres that were out there. You know, sports simulators dropped. I mean, look, I love the FIFA series, I really did, but I mean, you, you, they weren't they weren't as good in the mid nineties because why would EA bother if they could make you know Bloodsport eight and sell. Two or three million more units, you know. It just it just didn't make sense for them. Um, well,
1: plus, also, fighting games were, for the most part, were inexpensive to do because yeah. you just you build the four scenes, you do all the motion captures for just dumb each character. You get to do their alternate outfits. You know, I mean, then this pretty much there's no story to program, there's no dialogue, there's no cutscenes or whatever. Yeah, so
0: so what what actually turned that around was, um, ironically, it was Sony. That turned it around with launching games like Crash Bandicoot, the Oddworld series, and so on and so forth. Echo but the Dolphin. Echo the Dolphin. Oh man, that was the hardest game I ever played. It made as no a, sense.
1: Yeah, it was almost as hard as uh, Contra or oh the God. original Castlevania.
0: Cast. Oh, Castlevania.
1: I'm still trying to beat um, the um, Blood of right now. Mm-hmm. It's such a hard game.
0: Yeah, I I, str- I struggled with the original Zelda. Uh, so, oh, that,
1: that that is the original tough game and don't even get me started on the second quest
0: so that's going to be kind of it for this week we are going to look more and more at the franchises and the games that came out um kind of what was established in the 90s or stuff that was already established but what they made in the 90s we got a whole list of games there's not going to be too many facts and figures and story going into this this is just going to be mainly anecdotal you know what what we loved what we didn't love you know opinion based but that's it for this week next week as I mentioned we were going to have that and the week after we're going to look at what the other hung off of the decade looked like when we had the PlayStation 2 coming down the pipe we had uh, the Dreamcast what the video game companies are doing and society's views on everything so, Greg, it's been awesome to have you on. I'm looking forward to chatting with you next week. Looking and forward to it. Thanks, man. We will have more for you. In the meantime, let's have a listen to what the President of the United States has to say about word definitions. A date which will live in infamy. Ask not. What your country
1: can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall.
0: It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Uh, Attention 90's music fans. If you are in the Shreveport, Louisiana area of the world on June 30th, 2018, come to the Tiki Bar on East Kings Highway for a night of 90's music and entertainment, featuring the 2017 Arklatex Rock Band of the Year and one of the top Shreveport local lovers bands, The Show Showtime is at 9pm and a valid ID is required at the door. It's also recommended to arrive early to get some of the best seats in the house. Entry for this great night of 90s music and entertainment is just $5. That's right, only 5 bucks at the door. For more information about the band and for dates in your area of the world, go to theholodex.com. That's the Hollow, H-O-L-L-O-W, dex.com, And check out the band on Facebook at Holodex. Alright guys, I won't keep you too much longer. Uh, I've still got a little bit more to talk about, but uh, just bear with me and we're nearly done. Uh, Last week, I asked everybody, what was the better console in the 90s? Was it Nintendo or Sega? Well, you guys spoke, and in a 2-to-1 landslide, Nintendo beat Sega 66% to 33%. Thank you to everybody who voted. Um, I agree with that Nintendo consoles were better because they had the better games, but... um, Man, I thought it'd be closer than this. Because, you know, Sega weren't schlubs. I'm sorry, they just weren't weren't schlubs. So that was, uh, yeah, that was kind of a shock to me, but thank you for everybody who voted. Uh, Next week, I'm going to ask every single person, what is your favorite video game of the 90s? It's a very, very simple question. I'll go ahead and have that on social media today, and guys, if you're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr, give a share of our page, you know, we're looking to grow our audience, go ahead and like it, share it, send it out there, you know, get everybody out there, you know, whatever. Um, before we go though, however, I want to uh, I want to talk briefly about a couple of things. Um, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I usually talk about this at the beginning of the episode, but I had so much to talk about at the beginning, I figured I'd talk about this stuff at the end. Um, I mentioned Italian 90. Um, yeah, the World Cup, I have watched a very very little amount of games. Uh partly because the World Cup has been mostly on when I haven't been around a television set. Um I've either been at work, asleep or on the road and I've just not been able to watch anything. Um I was upset that Germany lost to Mexico, um but I'm still backing them. I still think they're going to go ahead and do it, especially after the uh the horribleness that has been Argentina. Um yeah, I mean, although watch out for um, watch out for Croatia, they could be dark horses. My dark horses, Panama, of course, sucked, uh, <laughs> which which I'm just rolling my eyes at, because uh, they, they did good, I guess, you know, yeah. Um, one of the other things that I love about this World Cup so far is a couple of things on social media as well. Uh, there's been a lot of people looking at a team and going, man... How did X-team qualify and Y-team didn't? Well, because Y-team sucked during the qualification process. You know, Saudi Arabia might have got slaughtered 5-0 against Russia, leading to people wondering why they were in the competition. But one of them was, man, I don't understand why America's not in there in Saudi Arabia. Let me break it down for you. USA finished 5th in their group uh, to qualify. Uh, The team who finished fourth was Honduras. Honduras, to qualify for the World Cup, they had to play a playoff match against Saudi Arabia. So the team who was better than the United States lost to Saudi Arabia, and Saudi Arabia got hammered by Russia. That's how it works um i th- i'm looking forward to when it's it's going to expand because you see these you'll see these smaller nations in there getting a chance i don't think it'll bring the overall quality down so to speak but it's kind of like in the olympics you know you'll see uh there's always one athlete who you will see who'll become a worldwide icon because they're such a fish out of water you know there was um eddie the eagle edwards in the 80s there was some uh shot put guy who was entered in the 100 meters and it like took him 25 seconds to finish because he's not built for sprinting you know um but yeah that that's 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 what i think will happen when the world cup does expand uh, i also want to quickly talk about var um it's taking the ego out of the game and i've noticed that the people who are against it usually have a problem with the decision that is made against who they're backing so if it's a red card they'll support it if it's for their team but they'll condemn it if it's against their team. Now, a lot of people are neutral in this World Cup, and they've been seeing it for what it is, and it's actually doing a good job. So keep it going. I, I want VAR in my football. I want the fo- the rules to be enforced, and I want the actual sport to decide, not the trumped-up referees that we have, especially in the Premier League. So, Talking to sports real quick, or in this case, sports entertainment. As you know, at the beginning of the episodes, I had a, uh, I had a uh, coming out of, of being a wrestling fan, Again, yeah, like I've said before, it's either the greatest thing in the world or the worst thing I've ever seen. It uh, kind of swings the pendulum both ways. Now, I'm not going to, you know, everybody rags on the product and stuff like that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, you know, that, that I'm not a wrestling podcast. You can go to listen to really, really good podcasts. There's the holic guys. There's the Solomon Sounds Off. You know, really, really good in-depth analysis of the goings on, in and out of WWE, New Japan, Impact, and Ring of Honor. What I'm going to talk about is something that they did that made my blood boil this week. Um, WWE is expanding into the United Kingdom. Uh, They actually now have... They've launched their own uh, wrestling show in the UK that will be taping later on in the year. Which is really, really great because apparently the UK wrestling scene is booming right now. Uh, So what they did is they did uh, the United Kingdom Championship Tournament Special. That was recorded and filmed on the 18th and the 19th. Now, last year they did a similar thing in January... And they showed the shows live or, you know, on on tape delay. Well, this week they recorded the shows and they're going to be playing them Monday and Tuesday. But they have their own streaming on demand service. So I don't understand why they couldn't just, you know, play it as it was recording or, you know... Or whatever, but the bit that I'm ticked off about, that's not the bit that ticked me off. The bit that ticked me off is this big tournament that they've been lording for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. They want people to watch. They record it a week in advance, and they spoil every single result on their website. On the website, on the Twitter feed. Alerts. Hey, this guy won. There's no point me watching it now. I know exactly what happened. And I'm not going to spoil it for anybody else, they're my But I know what happened. Now I'm glad that it happened the way it did because I'm a supporter of the guys in the thing. But dang, you know why dangle that carrot in front of me? You know we know it's it's predetermined. Don't the, the whole point, the whole enjoyment of of being a wrestling fan, is not knowing it's predetermined, not seeing the high flying, whatever, the dive versus the headlock, or whatever you want to call it. It's not knowing what's going to happen and seeing for yourself what's going to be. That's why tape shows, when they get spoiled, there's no point watching them. Now we have this big Ballyhoo tournament, this new division launching, and they spoiled it on the website. It just it, it You know They could have done one of two things. One, they, couldn't have spoiled, they shouldn't have spoiled it. But if they were going to spoil it, then they should have played the tournament earlier. You know, hey, guess what? This happened. Watch it tonight. Not wait a week for it. You're a multi-billion dollar corporation. Sort it out. If me and my little piddling podcast that that puts me out 25 bucks a year can figure it out, surely somebody with a degree in, in marketing can go, oh yeah, that's how we do it. So... Okay, rant over. I'm am sorry, guys. I just had to get that off my chest. And that is it for this week. Uh, next week, uh, me and Greg are going to get into some of the games and genres of the '90s. Uh, some really really good ones. We're going to be talking about anything and everything. We're probably going to have way too much material. So you know, you want to stick around for that. It's going to be mostly anecdotal. Games we love, the games we hated. It. It's going to be fantastic. Also, like I already asked, what is your favorite video game of the '90s? You know, I'll shout out the best ones next week. And you know, not just what's the favorite game. Why did you like it? So you know that's that's what we're going ahead so guys until we meet again which will hopefully be next week hope everybody has a wonderful week ahead and does what they need to do cheers guys have a good one You're a multi-billion dollar corporation. Sort it out.